This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigavana, as usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning. How are you this morning, Naz? Good, Wally. How about you? Uh, a little bit tired, Naz. I can't seem to handle those late hours anymore. Uh, it's past 11, job. <laughs> it's a past 11's late hours for me. So uh, let me see if I can get a little bit of adrenaline going here and uh, uh, get my kick my ass in gear. And uh, so let's, uh, let's see if we can get this thing going. Uh, it's, of course, a big day in sports. In most parts of the world, this is... Cr- considered the greatest sporting spectacle um, worldwide. We are, of course, talking about the World Cup of Soccer. We'll be talking to Canadian soccer legend Roberto Ierushi shortly after the first break about the World Cup of Soccer and and all things soccer. But, Naz, I got to be quite frank with you. Um, You know, you know, you know, I have a passion for soccer. I always have. Uh, Of course, our our team, the beloved Azzurri, didn't make it into this uh, particular World Cup. Uh, But uh, I must say that uh, the brand of soccer, there has been some outstanding soccer played. Um, It's really amazing the quality uh, of the game nowadays. And certainly want to talk to Bob Ayarushi about that. but I'm not thrilled about today's game, and I don't. You know, I mean, and, and there's a sense about it. I I don't have a rooting interest. France, Croatia, with the greatest respect for two great soccer teams. Uh, uh, let me take that back. I don't know if they're great soccer teams in an historical context, uh, but they're very good soccer teams. Let's 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 be fair. Uh, but I'm not excited about the game, and I would have been much more excited about a France-England game. Uh, certainly with the, with the history of those two nations, uh, that would have been an exciting soccer game. Uh, France-Brazil, uh, I would have been thrilled about, but France-Croatia isn't doing it for me. Um, and uh can't say that I'm thrilled about today's game, although it is the World Cup of Soccer in and of itself. That makes a spectacle. I'll turn it over to you. I've got some uh, some other thoughts about that. Obviously, I want to give congratulations to the nation of Croatia. Four million people uh, on a world stage in World Cup soccer. This this got to be one of the greatest days in the in the history of Croatia. The nation hasn't been there very long, although Croatians as an ethnic group, of course. Uh, for a long period of time, and they've got to be incredibly proud and incredibly thrilled that uh, that their nation's in a World Cup final. Nez? Yeah, France and England, if that would have been the final, it would have been a uh, better sell here type of thing because they're both traditional teams. Croatia's only been in the... Uh, the highest they ever got was semifinals, I believe. Yeah, the Euro yeah. Uh, 19... No, not the Euro, sorry. The World Cup 1998. Uh, the... 
made the semifinals, and if I'm not mistaken, I think they lost to France that year, who ended up winning the uh, winning the title. Uh, I, I uh, um, it almost seems, and, and this is not meant in any disrespect in any way, and maybe it's a North American perspective, and you know we can be criticized for this, and maybe we should be thrilled about the game. I'm just conveying personal feelings. Um, but uh, it almost seems like a Euro qualifier rather than a World Cup final. There's, there's always something, you know, the, the best World Cup finals almost seem to come, um, you know, if there's a South American presence, uh, the mixing of the styles, or if it's a battle of powerhouses. Uh, and, and once again, I'm, I'm showing my bias once again. If it's Italy, Brazil... I mean that that's 1994 and that's 1970. Uh, man, the, the 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 expectation of 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 a World Cup final between Italy and Brazil in in the con- in the historical context of those eras, man, the excitement was palpable uh, before that. Um, Italy West Germany uh, 1982, obviously because we have a rooting interest. You know the great Dutch teams. Of, of the 1970s, they were called the Clockwork Orange, and one of my favorite soccer players of all time, Johan Cruyff. Uh, and that was probably the greatest team in history that didn't win a World Cup. Unfortunately, they lost to, uh, as it was then, West Germany in 1974. And in overtime, in extra time to the Argentinians in 1978, um, you go through history um, and there's always it's been a battle of powerhouses most of the time in a World Cup final. France Italy in 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 2006 once again our rooting interest. But that was a you know you know Italians and French you know they're I mean we love each other but there's 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 a difference in culture between us and you know that 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 abrasiveness between an Italy France game. Um, that was exciting, you know. The great Spanish team of of, of uh, 2010 um, t- certainly took the game to a different level. Um, Croatia, uh, Luka Modric, uh, certainly a world class player, no question. Done some incredible work in Champions League. Mandzukic, uh, uh, the Juve player, I believe, and we'll talk about Juve when we get Iarushi on the phone and the signing of, of Cristiano Ronaldo this week. Um, uh, certainly, the World Cup has been uh, is the world's greatest sporting spectacle, and to break down the match today. Um, France has one of the youngest teams, and you know they're they're fun to watch. They bring a lot of pace to the game. They've got this 19-year-old Mbappe. Uh, hopefully, I got his name pronounced pretty close to it. Um, Griezmann, uh, I just think, is a wonderful player. Uh, the Croatian couple of guys on the Croatian team are world-class players. Um, the way I see this game uh, set up, and Naz, uh, what your thoughts? I just think it's time. I just think it's Croatia's going to run out of gas. I just I can't see them. Um, they're going to have a problem keeping up with the pace uh, of the French. Um, the French have not had to play one game of extra time in this tournament, as far as I, my memory serves me. And uh, Croatia's had to go to extra time, I don't know, two, three times, penalties? Three times. I mean, and they're an older team. Modric's in his early 30s. Mandzukic's in his early 30s. Um, 
You know, they're going to be they're going to be good in the first half. I just I just don't know how long those legs can last. Naz, your analysis? Well, Croatia's uh, been up against it all all tournament and they keep coming up smelling roses. But you know what, Wally, I think I think the game's going to be a good one. I think Croatia's going to end up winning this game. Um they, uh, and they, they they show a no give no give up attitude, and that's the way they play, which is very impressive. And they dominated England in the second half and the extra time. England should have had them on the ropes, and it wasn't the case. Yeah, it, that 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 game, England should have been up three nothing after the first half, and uh, they let it they let it slip away. Uh, and the they let the, they let the Croatians stay in the game, and then the Croatians found their legs, or they found their attitude, or the you know they found their mission, or whatever, and they just the English couldn't couldn't hold them at the end of the match. Um, but uh, France poses a different challenge uh, for Croatia. I've certainly you know uh, I always have a rooting interest in, in in these games. I'd love to see Croatia win. I really would. Uh, Four million people. I was a big. Uh, you know, my my story was Iceland. I mean, I never obviously never really thought Iceland had a real chance of going very far in this tournament. But you know, I love the story. Three hundred and twenty thousand people in a World Cup, and they don't. They, and they held their own. You know, they they tied Argentina. They they lost to Croatia by one. They didn't embarrass themselves. Um, you know, they held their own in the games in Croatia. Uh, some world class players. There's no question. Um, Players who play at the highest level of the game in in Champions League and in they play on the Reals and the Juves and all the other great European teams, um, and and you know a country that um, I guess in the late eighties, early nineties, uh, former former part of the Yugoslavian Republic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm reading some of the uh, reports that they interviewed uh, Luka Modric and. Um, you know, he grew up in in the Balkan crisis, and um, and they certainly, um, they certainly, most of that population has a distinct memory of some pretty difficult, difficult times in their history. And I can only and the other the other interesting aspect of Croatian soccer right now it's going through all kinds of corruption scandals. Uh, sort of reminds me of Italy. Every time Italy's had a corruption scandal, they've won the World Cup. Um, so Croatia seems to be following in Italy's footsteps. Um, but they are, you know, uh, you know, the, some of them are facing. If I'm not mistaken, some of the reports I've read, uh, uh, Luka Modric, if he's if he's correct me if I'm wrong, please. But uh, he's got some legal issues that are facing him after this uh, after this World Cup. So they've got a lot on the line today, and I think it would do wonders for the spirit of that nation. It's it's amazing what a sporting spectacle how it can unite a nation. And uh, you know we've seen it as Italians uh, uh, being part of the Italian. This, you know, uh, immigrant group across the world, what it does for our local community when Italy is successful in the World Cup. I mean, the greatest party, the greatest street party in the history of Toronto was was 1982 down on sure St. Clair. Was. You know, 300, 350,000 people all got that idea that we were going to go down and celebrate on St. Clair. Uh, and it was, you know, just a remarkable, remarkable event. And that's what Croatia is looking at today. So I'd I'd really love to see a Croatian win. I I think I think it'd be 
do wonders for 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 the spirit. There's a lot of Croatians in Toronto. You know, I'd love to see them partying in the streets of Toronto uh, and celebrating and celebrating their their victory. And this is a team that's uh, that's earned its way through. Now the bars are open already, Wally. Can you believe it? Nine a.m. Some of these. Bars in Toronto have uh, opened. <laughs> well, it's an early game. game for all our listeners. Uh, you may have thought that the game's starting at 2 o'clock this afternoon. It's not. It's starting at 11 o'clock this morning. Anyways, we've talked uh, talked some World Cup. We've got to talk some more with Canadian soccer legend Roberto Ierushi. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I'm in Modena, birthplace of Pavarotti. When I knocked on my cousin's door, he opened it and said... My long-lost cousin, you finally come home. You must now marry my neighbour's sister. I said I had to get something in the car and never went back. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour Canadian soccer legend uh, Roberto Iarushi. Roberto, how are you this morning? Good morning, good morning. I'm very good, thank you. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. As I'm sure you're aware, Roberto, it is World Cup Sunday. It's the greatest sporting spectacle in the world. Um, first of all, your thoughts on uh, World Cup Sunday, some of your thoughts, some of the great games you remember on this particular day, and please uh, give us the benefit of your soccer expertise and uh, break down the game for us today. Well, I, I, mean, it's, it's, I think it, it could be an, an absolute cracker because I think it's both teams, both teams that can go forward, both teams that uh, that have uh, you know technical prowess, both teams that have speed. France probably has a little bit of a um, a little bit of a trigger with uh, with Mbappe, but uh, I think uh, the, the Croatians have been through a lot of battles so far. 
uh, I thought that they, that against the England it was incredible in terms of their stamina. It was actually the English that were tired. The Croatians uh, got stronger as the game went longer. So um, we'll see. I just uh, I, I don't think it will be a tactical uh, showdown uh, with regards to both teams. You know, uh, playing it a little coy. I think both of them will will try and come out fast, and I think that should make for a great uh, for a great game. It seems like Croatia is uh, not respected very much in the soccer community. Uh, your comments on the team itself, and do they deserve to be in the final? Oh my God, they've got their their roster has has eighty seven uh, important trophies that they've won, hmm. compared to England, which had nineteen, and yet England was favored. So why is that? Uh, you know, Croatia has some of the the most coveted players in 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 world soccer. I don't understand why there would be any any type of a doubt with regards to their uh, with regards to their uh, their ability to get to the final and their ability to win to, uh, today as well. So I I don't know where those comments are coming from, but but those people don't know very much about the game if they're saying that. Well, certainly uh, there's there's certainly some world class talent. On the Croatian team, Mondrić and uh, Mandzukic. I mean, some of their players, as as you quite correctly pointed out, Roberto, uh, the, these these players play at the highest level of soccer, which is Champions League finals. They're playing on the Reals and the Barcelonas and the Juves, Man United, so, and Man United. Everywhere. So they're yeah, you know they're playing with Bayern Munich, Juventus. So yeah, these tell me, yeah, tell yeah, me what's missing. Yeah, they've they've got some seasoned talent, which which brings to another point. They've actually at at the highest level, they've probably got more experience than the French too, don't they? Um, yeah, I think they do. Um, what I do like about the French is that they have uh, they have some great players in important key roles. Uh, Kante, for me, I mean, look what he did for Leicester City, Kante. Uh, and if that if that if that doesn't give you enough uh, reason to to believe how important he is for the French, and they have uh, Griezmann, who is a you know one of the world's best best attackers, along with the speed of Mbappe, which we've talked about already. So. Uh, you know the French are favorites. I think they they merit to be uh, to be favorites, uh, but uh, they better be careful today. <laughs> Certainly, and so we're lo- looking forward to what uh, uh, should be uh, should be an entertaining uh, in in one shape or another. That should be a, an extremely entertaining game because there certainly are some world class players that are taking the pitch today. Roberto, you've uh, you've been part of Canadian soccer. Uh, for most of your entire life, you're a member of Canada's national team. You were the captain. You've been voted to Canada's top 11 soccer players of all time. Uh, so certainly uh, you've uh, watched and participated in, in as much soccer as any Canadian. Uh, but we, uh, Naz and I took the moment earlier to talk about some of the great uh, World Cup finals of the past and some of the great World Cup uh, games. And I, I know... We know your ethnic background. Um, in in your uh, in your recollection, what uh, what World Cup finals stand out for you, Roberto? Well, I mean the 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 '70s had three great ones. So in 1970, what people might think it was the better it was the best national side of all time. Brazil, Pele's Brazil in Mexico, when they beat Italy 4-1 in the final. Uh, they just had a, just a, a mag- magnificent team. Uh, Gerson in the middle, Carlos Alberto, their captain, um, Jairzinho, Pele, Tostao. I mean, what a, what a lineup! So right. I remember, I remember uh, uh, Brazil. Of course, Italy had 
that tremendous semi-final game where they beat West Germany 4-3 with Mats- with Mazzola and uh, Rivera, Bonizegna, and I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Bonizegna. Bonizegna. So, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of romance in that game. The next game in '74 was the final between Germany and Holland. Holland, arguably, you know, uh, with Johan Cruyff, the best team in the world, uh, looked like they were going to, you know, win the game when they scored the first goal, and then uh, Germany with Gerd Müller. Scored uh, that second goal in the second half, and uh, they stole the game from them. And then the third, the third uh, one I remember in the seventies, the Ar- in Argentina when uh, Menotti's Ar- Argentina led by uh, led led by uh, well Maradona was actually supposed to be in that team, he, he, but he 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 couldn't get in because of Mario Kempis. Kempis, that's and, right. And Kempis was the hero of that game when Argentina won in overtime against Holland. Three one, so those are three. I mean, I, there's others, of course, for for more modern day listeners. But <laughs> I remember those three. Don't forget, Roberto. This is Zuma Radio. So uh, uh, interesting. You you bring up a, a lot of those names. You actually played with. Uh, quite a few of those names that you just mentioned and either played with them or against them in the North American Soccer League, either with the Cosmos or with the Metros Croatia or with the Diplomats. But uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to ask you, Roberto, because when we had Carmen Marcantonio, your good friend on the show, I asked him this question, and I'm going to ask you the same question. Who was the best soccer player you ever played with or against? Uh, I think it was Diego Maradona. I, I think he was, he was, I mean, he was awesome. He, and especially in his, obviously in his younger years, the, what he did. I know that um, Messi has done things that uh, people would equate to Maradona. Maradona also had a, uh, a presence, a character presence about him that uh, rubbed off positively on his, on his teammates. They all loved him. There isn't anybody that's, that has played with him that doesn't think highly of him. I mean, we know his uh, his shortcomings, uh, his uh, addiction with uh, coke. And believe me, if you're on cocaine, it doesn't make you a better player. It makes you a worse player. So just imagine how good a player he was. Uh, I, uh, you know, I mean, Johan Cruyff would be up there for me. Pele, those those would be the top three. Anyway, so we're talking to uh, Roberto. We won't keep you much longer. It's uh, it's a nice day out there. We're going to let you get on with your day. But I do uh, want to talk to you uh, about a uh, significant signing in um, in Italian soccer this week. Uh, yes. And I don't know, you know, Italian, Italians uh, tend to be, uh, or, you know, we're Canadians, but we have Italian uh, background. Uh, we're either Juve or we're Milan or we're Inter or we're Napoli or we're Roma. I don't know which, which, which spectrum you're on, Roberto. I don't know if you're a Juve guy. I am. But Cristiano Ronaldo signed with Juventus. I think sort of took a lot of people by surprise. Um, your assessment of that signing, uh, and they're also Juventus is also now talking about uh, about signing the Barcelona star Marcello. So, uh, wow, what does that mean for Italian soccer? Ronaldo going to Serie A. I think it means a lot. I think he's right now the best player in the world. He's thirty-two. He's as fit as a fiddle. Probably equal to a twenty-six-year-old in his prime. Uh, Ronaldo is somebody that's broken Juve's hearts on more than. One or two occasions, hmm. and I think they finally got tired of <laughs> trying to compete against him and decided to, to suck him up into the system. Uh, Ronaldo uh, is a very clever individual. I think he wants to go down as the greatest of all time. If he takes Juve to the promised land, 
which is a Champions League victory. Uh, he 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 would have all the uh, all the the tools to uh, give him uh, give him credence to that to that uh, title because uh, I mean the, the, he's a, the goal scorer extraordinaire, his athletic uh, prowess, his ability to resolve important games. I think it says it all. Uh, Roberto, I would like to go to the TFC. They are struggling big time. What's wrong with that team? Um, in all fairness to them, they, they, they've, they, they've lost a lot of key players. So that's, that's undeniable. So they've lost, uh, they've lost, you know, key players in the back. Drew Moore has been, uh, you know, uh, very important to that team. He's been unavailable. I mean, Altador up front in his, uh, you know, in in his ability to hold the ball and and to play in tight quarters, they miss miss him, and I think he makes Jovinko tick a lot better. And then Vasquez. So I mean, there's, that's that's three key key areas, and there's no denying that uh, they still should be they still should be able to have uh, eked out some some more positive results. I don't know if the team's tired. I think Michael Bradley's frustrated, uh, and then for him to be pulled off yesterday. It would not have happened unless Bradley would have uh, would have said, uh, "Yeah, pull me out. I can't I can't take it anymore." So uh, it's not good news because I think there's more heartache in front of them before they get everybody back into game fitness. So um, that's my assessment. Um, talking to uh, Roberto Yerushi. Roberto, I want to take the opportunity. You've been capped. You were capped uh, quite quite a few times playing for Canada's national soccer team. Um, wore the armband a few times as well. Yeah. And Canada 2026 with the United States and Mexico. The World Cup of Soccer is coming to Canada. It's eight years away. Um what is that, when they announced that, that that was coming to Canada, what did that mean to you, given all you've done for Canadian soccer? Well, what does it mean to me as a, as a proud Canadian who loves the game of soccer? It means a lot. It means that uh, there's going to be a chance for uh, this new generation of youth to, uh, to see Canada participate in the, in, the, in the game's, you know, most coveted uh, tournament. So that hasn't happened since 1986. And I think that's something to be excited about. Even though it's only uh, ten games, it still puts us, it still puts us on in the world spotlight. Now, you know, it's up to us to try and and create uh, create the environment for for us to field the competitive team by then. So, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to do that. And talking about youth soccer, we're going to end it on this note, uh, uh, Roberto. Uh, I know that there's a big youth soccer tournament coming to uh, to this yes. area in August yes. that you're participating in. And, of course, talking about Cristiano Ronaldo, the key team in our youth tournament here is Juventus, is sending yes. over their under-17 team. And uh, I, I got an opportunity to watch Juventus against TFC under-17s last year at the Ontario Soccer Centre in Vaughan. And I was amazed at the caliber of soccer. Uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit. I know you're involved in it. Uh, we'll leave it on that. Tell us uh, what uh, listeners want to uh, keep an eye on that tournament, perhaps uh, buy some tickets and uh, go watch some phenomenal youth soccer. Tell us, give us some details on that. Yes, it's called the, uh, the Under-17, Toronto Vaughan Under-17 International Youth Cup. Uh, and it, it involves uh, Juventus, TFC, and uh, also involves uh, two of our 
best soccer regions, Peel Halton and and York York region, which will be uh, which will be bringing uh, bringing their their best their select team uh, to the tournament. It's the 18th uh, of August, which is uh, a Saturday. Is the first uh, set of double headers. It's played at uh, it's going to be played at York's Lions Stadium, which is the old Pan Am Stadium, and uh, you can get tickets. Tickets at the Toronto Azuri Soccer Club, 416-782-1578. They are $40 for both double headers or $25 for a a single day. And uh, it it is as good a soccer as you're going to see anywhere. Absolutely. Last year was just phenomenal. All four games that were played were were great. So I hope that people who care about seeing our our best under-17s in the area put on display against uh, you know a team like Juve should come out. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for joining us. I know you've taken uh, a few minutes out of uh, out of an uh, important uh, day and uh, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Thanks Always a pleasure. Me. That was of course uh, Roberto Ayarushi. Uh, Naz, uh, you know uh, the Ronaldo signing your favorite player. <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna be a tough one, but uh, I'm a big uh, I'm a big uh, black uh, as they call it in in Italian Bianco Neri guy. So Ronaldo, as as is as as Rob as Bobby Arushi quite pointedly uh, reminded me, um, he's uh, he's uh, he's certainly been a Juventus killer in the last couple of years. So, you know what? It's better he's wearing the black and white stripes than uh, than the Real sweater. So, uh, certainly looking forward to that. We've got to go to break. We'll be ba- we'll be back right after the break with Butch Carter. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I realized there comes a time when one must ask the question, who am I? Sure, I'm known for my suave, silky voice, my leading man good looks, especially now that the rash on my forehead has cleared up. But who are my ancestors? The people who made me, me. I had my DNA tested, and as it turns out, I'm 73% Italian. No wonder I had chest hair in grade two. It all makes sense now. The first words I spoke were with my hands. That's why I love Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. It's as Italian as the country I'm from. I've decided to visit the old country and explore my Italian roots. You can come too. Now, where'd I put my tight pants? Stay tuned for my Italian trip home. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues. Price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. If you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. On the internet, live video streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, or I should say welcome back, former Raptors coach Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch. How are you? Good. How are you guys? We're doing great, Butch. Let me ask you right off the hop, France or Croatia? France. Okay. <laughs> uh, Butch, uh, good pick, by the way. Uh there's been a story that bubbled to the surface this week, which uh, I'm going to ask you your assessment on. Uh, wh- first of all, whether you're, yeah, and obviously you're fully aware of the story that I'm alluding to. Uh, apparently, the bookmakers installed Toronto as the favorite uh, for uh, a possible destination for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I got to be quite frank with you, Butch. The whole concept of Kawhi Leonard coming to Toronto. I uh, caught me caught me by surprise. Uh, are, is there any is there any uh, any flames to this story, or is it all fumes? Well, normally the flames are started by the teams um, to 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 get more leverage to get a better deal. So Kawhi's in a unique situation where he is personally told ownership that he wants to leave because of what's happened the past year. <clears throat> he is a Southern California kid. Uh, I believe eventually he will land in Southern California. Uh, Toronto has, they've traded for injured players before. Damari Carroll, they signed as a free agent, and he was injured when they signed him, and then had to give up a first-round pick to get rid of him. They drafted uh, a current player, OG, uh, who was injured, uh, had busted his knee up, didn't play uh, in college because of his knee, but they drafted him in the first round. So, um, you know, historically, uh, under this current <clears throat> president, he will take some risk that other people won't take. And you know, I think last time I was in the studio, you said to me, well, but, you know, free agents won't come here. And, you know, my reply to that is, you know, the right people recruiting the right people it seems like players do move. Um, I think that Toronto ownership has been very lazy. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's that uh, Larry Tannenbaum has any instincts around what it really takes to build a basketball team. I know he says he likes basketball, but liking basketball and having a championship um, management team is entirely different. Um, the well, current let me ask manager, you. Um, I can't really say anything good about Masai right now. Uh, he tends to be disrespectful when he sees me, 
even when I'm sitting one row on an airplane with him, won't say hello. Um, I believe that Masai, the issue around him is that he doesn't really know championship basketball. He wears a nice suit, looks like Brian Coangelo. Um, but the reports that I'm getting is that, you know, if it was in the United States, it'd be a hostile work environment. He's good when everything's going good, and as soon as things go bad, he's yelling and screaming at people. Um, they also had an incident where a player put his hands on one of the support staff in Oklahoma City, uh, and that's a hostile work environment. Um, would not be allowed um, by any management team that knew what was going on or coaching staff. Uh, Butch, let me uh, let me interject there at uh, at that point. Um... And, uh, you know, just want to be uh, careful about uh, that that part of it. Uh, but on, on the point that you do make, um, that if, if, the, if the right people are the right environment, uh, players, stars will come to Toronto. Can you, uh, can you give me an example how, uh, what, uh, if there's any, any off the top um, stars or, or free agents they should have gone after, let's say in the last five to seven years that maybe they had a shot at bringing to Toronto and why? Well, there was really none that they had a shot at because they were, um, Coangelo put them in a bind with the Rudy Gay deal. So they were capped out and they had assets that people didn't want. So uh, between uh, Bargnani and Rudy Gay, the franchise was in a bad situation from the standpoint of talent, uh, salary cap management, and it took two or three years to get out of that. But then when they got out of it, because DeMar DeRozan's development was so late, they have to give DeMar you know, a max deal, a $30 million deal, and clearly he's not worth $30 million versus the other $30 million players. Toronto has always struggled against great wing players, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. They've always really struggled because DeMar, as an all-star offensive player, cannot defend his position. So that means you have to get into a substitution pattern or acquire a player who's supposed to be guarding the guy DeMar has got to guard. And it just, history in basketball has shown that that scenario never works because you can't, analytically, you can't maximize your minutes on efficiency. So, you know, it's more of a situation of you're always managing more than just who's a free agent. The issue is where are you at in your salary cap and where are you at in the commit, or the true commitment from ownership. And the biggest problem for free agents in Toronto is they've always seen through that there's no true commitment from ownership. Think about this. It's not a matter of someone coming. Three Hall of Fame players have left Toronto. McGrady left, Carter left, Bosch left. And they all left for the same reason, that they knew that there was no true commitment. There was no Mark Cuban commitment or the guy with the L.A. Clippers. There is no true commitment. And in this day and age where all the players have guaranteed contracts, they are looking more at the intangibles because the tangibles are the cash, the practice facility, everybody's got them. It's really all the intangibles. Is my family going to be comfortable being here? But the intangibles, Toronto has always failed at. And 
you can't find another franchise where they drafted three Hall of Fame players and lost all three of them. Butch, are they trying to dump on uh, DeRozan? seems like to, to me they're dumping DeRozan's salary here. Well, it, the reality is that if you, if, you, if you won as many games as they won the last two years, you would hope the results were better. But it goes to... <clears throat> so this is what happens when you get in a, in a playoff game against, against a winning team. The math gets really hard. And Toronto didn't understand that. So what happens is Kyle Korver is guarding DeMar DeRozan. But because they're running the same offense they ran during the regular season, DeMar DeRozan can't go out and kill Kyle Korver because they want. They say, well, we want to pass the ball. The issue at the end of the day is that when you have a plus against a minus in a playoff game, you need to take advantage of it as much as possible. And the reason is is that the officials know when a better player is being defended by an inferior player. And DeMar has been allowed to go down in the playoffs because the way the cur- the way they're set up analytically, they don't understand that the math changes when the when you play against better teams. And it's not about going out in the huddle and four coaches talking. The issue with them today is that this should be understood that when a minus player, a negative player on efficiency is guarding a positive player, you must find a way to get the ball in that positive player's hands to take advantage of the three zebras that are blowing the whistle. It's unlike any other sport. Because there's only 10 guys on the floor, you can get distinct advantages on people. And the problem with it is is that if you don't understand and take advantage of the officials blowing the whistle, so that's why DeMar DeRozan's always shot so many free throws during the season, and he gets in the playoffs, and it drops off 50%, 60%. Uh, we're talking to Butch Carter. I want to follow up on uh, a point uh, you were making, Butch. And I know we've talked about this, but I want to see if I can scratch uh, beneath the surface a little bit more. Um, and we talk about um, seemingly Toronto, um, seemingly uh, free agents, for whatever reason, uh, don't the big ones don't sign in Toronto? And as you quite uh, pointedly uh, reminded us, uh, three first-round franchise players left Toronto, uh, and you say it's a lack of commitment uh, from MLSC. Um, uh, they spend a lot of money on on basketball players down there, Butch. Um, Where's the lack of commitment? It has nothing to do with money. Like I told you, it's the intangibles. Can you uh, expand upon that a little bit? Well, let me let me give you an example. The, the first example that I'm fully aware of is that um, um, Tannenbaum and Glenn Grunwald fly to have a meeting with Tracy McGrady and this guy, all right, without giving, without telling me, all right to try to convince them to sign and tell them, well, and we want to let Butch go. So now, Tracy McGrady, the kid that I found this condo for him, found the woman to clean for him, set his life, his young life up so he could be successful. They're telling the two guys that benefited from that, all right, behind my back, that they want him to resign and approve me being let go. They did the same thing with Vince Carter. 
Uh, any recent examples, Butch? Like, let's let's let. The recent the recent examples are, are all all around. I think dealing with uh, with Bargnani. Bargnani was the wrong player picked, and he was the wrong player to be resigned. So you know, why do you think Bosch left? See, being involved in sports, professional sports, since 1980, the, the new NBA is not the old NBA in this. The old NBA players had non-guaranteed contracts and had to put up with a lot of bad behavior by owners, managers. The new NBA, the players don't have to because they have guaranteed money. So if you know your money is going to be guaranteed, all right, and the intangibles are wrong. All right, the support for your family, um, taking away a star player's mother's parking spot without giving her any notice or letting them know. These are all things that were allowed under Larry Tannenbaum's watch. All right, and he didn't understand. I don't believe he does understand. You don't do stuff like that. But the the uh, hockey team seems to be attracting the free agents coming here, and the basketball ball team doesn't. Do you think the two are treated differently by MLSC? Well, if you look at the, how the hockey team is set up, you got you got former players walking in with analytics guy and looking players in the eye, like you know we we've put on those skates and done the same thing that you know that we want you to come here and do. That, that's an entire different dynamic. And it's, entirely, it's an entirely different dynamic. You, you know, you say, okay, who, you know, what's the best-run franchise in the East? You know, it would have to be the Boston Celtics. Who's running that franchise? Danny Ainge. So you're saying there's a difference between Shanahan and, uh, and the big guy from the Raptors? How many games has Shanahan played in the NHL? Quite a few. Right? Over, over I hasn't even played U.S. college. Anyways, Butch, uh, wanted to uh, ask you one last question, and uh, then we'll let you go for the day. I know you've got uh, you've got uh, you got some business you got to attend to, uh, and uh, John Tavares signing with the Leafs. Uh, you know, Butch, you've got opinions about everything. Um, yeah, your reaction to that? It's, a, it's awesome. They they had a plan. They had a guy they wanted to go get. They executed the plan so that Tavares, sitting on the outside, says, hey, they're headed the right way. We all know that that situation that Tavares is in, they don't have a building to play in. You know, so he's getting ready to go into the prime of, you know, his career. And, you know, he wants to come home. And, and we all know in all sports, a lot of players want to come home. Some some guys don't want to come the least because of the immense pressure, but it's like playing for the Lakers. You know, there's a ton of pressure being in that spotlight. But Tavares coming home, you know, I thought was awesome because you you had Olympic championship coach, Stanley Cup championship coach, Stanley Cup general manager, president, and you got the kid on the analytics who, who knows it cold, and they sit down and they do their pitch. And I think the greatest thing I've seen was the picture of young Tavares in his bed with the leash stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
As you say, Butch, I guess on the Tavares signing, the intangibles lined up, didn't they? It's, it's, it's what it's all about because the money's going to be the same. Everybody's got a great practice facility. Everybody's got a coaching staff. The issue at the end of the day is it's really more college recruiting. Butch, we're going to let you go on that note. We appreciate uh, uh, coming on and tell us what's going on in the world of basketball and the world of the Raptors and uh, giving us some insight into this whole Kawhi Leonard uh, and where that uh, where that story comes. Butch, thanks so much for joining us. You guys have a great Sunday. Thank you, you again. You too, Butch, and uh, catch a big one, please. All the best, Butch Carter. Uh, Certainly, some pointed remarks there, Naz, from yeah, from he Butch. Is, he uh, he's really he getting into it there. Yeah, he doesn't uh, doesn't seem too happy with the uh, with the Raptors these days. But I wouldn't say too too. Uh, not that he's not happy with them, but uh, he's got he's certainly got some uh, aggressive opinions about uh, about how the Raptors are managed and have been managed, and uh, he doesn't hold back, does he? No, he doesn't, and. Uh... But his situation goes back a long time. I don't think they're the same as they were back then. Do you think, Wally? Um, no, I mean, um, you know, I, I, I beg to dis. I mean, we can have the, you know, we'll have Butch back on the show again, and as we get back into the basketball season, uh, I, I think there is a level of commitment at MLSE. I mean, you can criticize management all you want. Of course, you can. You want to be critical of Masayu Jury in, certain, in terms of some of the basketball moves he's made. I uh, didn't even get the chance to ask Butch what he thought about the the new coach, and I'm sure he'd have some strong opinions about that as well. Um, and uh, I know I know Butch, uh, um, he's critical not so much of Dwayne Casey, but perhaps how the bench was run, and he's made that point on our show. So you know, Butch has some very strong basketball opinions, um, rightly or wrongly. Um, you know, he he certainly understands basketball, and he's and he's an analytics guy. He is. Yeah, you know, you've seen some of the stats that he's come yeah. down to studio with. You know, Butch knows Butch knows his stuff when it comes to basketball. Um, whether a comment that uh, that uh, the management lacks commitment, uh, I'm not so sure. I agree with that. I, I think they want a championship here. They've spent a lot of money. Have they put the intangibles in place? Uh, well, you know that reasonable reasonable people can have a reasonable debate about that. Um, you know, historically, we haven't been able to keep our A level stars, uh, uh, but we have kept Lowry and DeRozan. We had to pay them a lot of money. Are Lowry and DeRozan at the level of uh, of a Bosch or uh, or a McGrady or a Carter? Uh, but they, you know what, DeRozan and Lowry had market value. Uh, other teams would have signed them, and they chose to stay in Toronto. Well, uh, yeah, I think it looks it looks to me. And so I, whatever intangibles were necessary to keep uh, DeRozan and Lowry here, um, well, you know, I guess 30, 30 to $32 million, or 20 to $25 million is a lot of intangibles, right? Well, it looks to me like this team is going to fall apart under the new coach. It just, it just seems to it seems the, the all the negative stuff is coming out now. With the management team, I see this team sliding big time next year. Um, yes, people are. You know, they they, they they had a little honeymoon for a couple of years. Uh, we won the uh, we you know we won the division or the Atlantic Conference title last year. Finished first overall. We had all these fantastic expectations, and they got blown up. I mean, 
nobody was terribly critical of the Raptors until they got Playoffs. blown up. Until they got blown up by the Cavaliers. Yeah. So you know, four games just completely changed a lot of people's attitude towards the Raptors. Is that fair? Um, Big slide coming, Wally. Big slide coming. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's tough to stay at the top, isn't it? You know. Sure uh, is. Ask the Blue Jays. They're in the middle of their big slide. Um, Still got further to go, the Blue Jays. So, um, yeah, certainly we'll, we'll stay in touch with Butch uh, as the basketball season progresses, and uh, we'll keep following up on on his thoughts and opinions on on some pretty uh, controversial stuff. You uh, want to give that pizza away now? <laughs> we'll save that one for next week. Okay. Anyways, there's a topic uh, we didn't get to last week, and we got three minutes. And it comes up every year, and we talk about it every year, which is the uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame. In this year, um, there's some people who criticized one of the people who got in, and some people who continue to criticize two two people who don't get in. Uh, the person who got in was Gary Bettman, and the people who are still uh, sitting on the sidelines are Don Cherry and Paul Henderson, amongst others. Uh, Naz, um, I know you've got some pretty strong opinions on this. Well, uh, Henderson and Cherry should be should have been inducted a long time ago. I don't see it. I really don't. Henderson's already in the uh, International Hall of Fame. Is that correct? International or? Ice Hockey Hall of Fame. That is correct. And and he's not here. Something is wrong. And Bettman being named, I have some uh, mixed feelings about that one. Yeah, um... As soon as I heard the Batman going into the Hockey Hall of Fame, not, I mean, I, I, I completely understand the case. Uh, he took over the NHL in 1994, 93, thereabouts, and he's grown the business to a significantly higher yeah. level. Um, you know, he's managed to save franchises in Phoenix or in some of the other ones were in perhaps not the greatest. So as as from the business perspective, the NHL is probably in a much better place. He, he brought in the salary cap, uh, you know, very instrumental in the collective bargaining agreements. Um, so certainly the case can be made. It's just the timing of it. Um, and it's right sort of, it's sort of, it's, Cup, you yeah. know, it sort of seems to me off-putting that somebody in a position of power, which he is, I, although I know he, he doesn't vote for himself, but he's very influential in terms of in terms of the board. There, I would suspect. Um, it just to me, it would make more sense that something like that wait till he retires. Um, I don't have any problem, especially a guy in in his position. Yeah, right? and there, you know, and we talked to. Um, Oh, Kurt Walker, and, and you've talked, and I've saw seen, and Boynton and Carcillo were upset about how he's dealt with the whole concussion issue. So there's a lot of players who aren't happy about that. And I sort of said, you know what, it's almost like one of those things probably should have waited till he was retired, then put him in. Uh, Don Cherry, I have, no under, uh, I, I have no understanding why he's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame other than his Opinions are very controversial. He's not politically correct. He rubs some of the, uh, perhaps some of the board members the wrong way. Um, but in terms of, in the builders category, um, very opinionated broadcaster, um, well-loved amongst a lot of people, a lot of hockey fans, but controversial 
and I guess that's what doesn't get him in. And uh, I can't, don't have the time to talk about Paul Henderson. We'll have to save that one, but he should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and we'll continue to chat about that one. Naz, 10 seconds, last word. Uh, I'm going to pick Croatia today to beat uh, France. I hope Croatia wins. Somehow I think France is going to win. To all those listening, have a fantastic week. Be safe. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Thanks so much. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.